0: hey tabs Sorry. hello my computer was like do you want to do this update I
1: like, no i don't want your update don't want to updates. my kid's freaking out so i just gotta put away video games
0: oh my gosh my daughter too i just got her home and then i left and she was pissed she's like what is this situation going on right now
1: <laughs> what are you thinking lady hello and welcome to table for five with no reservations take a seat at the table for a fresh sweet salty tart and pleasantly bitter conversation Thank you for taking a
0: seat at the table tonight. We are going to be talking with Natalie Vecchione. Hopefully, I got that right. (laughs) She gave me the thumbs up, so we're good. She has a podcast, FASD Hope. This month is FASD Awareness Month, Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Awareness Month. And um, we're going to talk to her a little bit about her journey and we will plug all of the places that you can find her. She has a Facebook page, a new book we're going to be talking about that was recently released. It is called Blazing New Homeschool Trails, Educating and Launching Teens with Developmental Disabilities, which we are all excited about to read since our kids will be moving into adulthood with disabilities. So very excited. So tonight I have Jen. Hello. Kim. Hi. Jamie. Hello. Rachel. Hey, everybody. And Natalie, if you wanna just give us a little introduction to you and your family and a little bit about your journey, that would be great.
2: Thank you everybody. And thank you for letting me sit at the table tonight. I am honored to be here. My name is Natalie Beckione and I'm a podcaster. Like Tabitha said, I am a recent author, a new author. Yay! I am an FASD Parent Advocate. I wear a lot of different hats, but the one I wear most proudly is, is I'm a mama of uh, of two amazing kiddos. I use kiddos in air quotes because our oldest is 19. Our son is 19 years old and has NFASD and our daughter is six years old and uh, she is typically developing. She does have childhood absence, epilepsy. Uh, but she does not have an FASD. So uh, we have two very different adoption journeys with our kids and learning about FASD through our journey with our son really just made me fire the passion for advocacy and being an advocate. I took that advocating that I was doing all his life and and trying to get a diagnosis and trying to get appropriate interventions and supports and finally used it and said, not only, hey, I feel really lonely and isolated on this road. I bet you millions of other moms yes. and families yeah. do too. So yep. uh, pretty recently, um, about, about a year and a half ago, I became a podcaster. And then October 1st, tw- 2021 will be our one year anniversary of FASD Hope, Yay! which our, yeah. uh, my my husband and I co-founded. It's a, my husband created the website. It's a resource re- website. And uh, we have a podcast, um, I would say weekly, but we're probably averaging twice a week. I've, I've oh, been, wow. Yeah, I've been busy. And uh, <laughs> and then just uh, being an advocate and doing a lot of things, just getting FASD awareness supports. We're also, I'm proud to be a part of this uh, proposed FASD national legislation, which we'll yes. talk about later down the road. Woo! So yes, I'm excited um, to hear about that. So September is a busy month for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I bet. And your son, I think I heard that it took you about 13 years to get the diagnosis. Yes.
2: Yes. It took 13 years. We had a neurologist give us a, a verbal suspicion of a diagnosis when he was two and he received an official diagnosis, written official diagnosis when he was 15, so yes, 13 years. Wow! And in between, we received just about oh, the ABC soup of alphabet acronyms, diagnoses that we all here at this table know about, you know, yes. uh, just the piling up of diagnoses. And then, uh, like I was telling Rachel before we started, the FASD diagnosis, the, the diagnosis, which is under the FASD umbrella, because FASD is a spectrum diagnosis, the diagnosis he received connected all of those dots together.
1: So how do they diagnose that? Okay. Is it all through observation and trying to figure it out? Like with autism, we, they, we do a test and all that. Is there anything like that with it just
2: like, this must be it. No, it's pretty similar. It's, it, it takes a little while. It's, you know, multidisciplinary. So you have psychologists, therapists, occupational therapists, you're measuring things like adaptive functioning, executive functioning, oh. chronological age versus developmental age, social, emotional, as well as physical things. So you'll have either like an MD or, or a psychiatrist or, or someone who's familiar with diagnosing it. And then there's input from the parents and whatnot. So yeah. it takes a little while. And there is a wait list and there are FASD diagnostic clinics in the country. You can go on fasdhope.com to see them. We, we try to update as frequently as we can, but there are other organizations, which I will give you links to, where you can find where the FASD diagnostic clinics are. And then there are also clinicians who who can do the diagnosis as well. But yeah, it it is involved. It it is similar and just like with (laughs) autism. But again, the difference between autism and ADHD, which are both spectrum diagnoses versus FASD is FASD is is caused by prenatal alcohol Exposure. exposure, which leads to prenatal brain damage. What happens is the alcohol actually, you know, affects the brain. And with ADHD and with autism, they're genetic mutations. Yes. So like that's ne- why. Neurological. Exactly. Yeah. It's a different cause. What happens from the alcohol exposure is actual brain change, brain difference, brain damage. Yeah. And so things operate differently. So like, for example, our son very early on received the diagnosis of having ADHD, which again, we know primary characteristics of having an FASD are identical to having ADHD. So this was again, while we were pursuing a diagnosis, but the the physician or excuse me, the psychiatric pr- practitioner at the time said, oh, we're going to put them on this ADHD medication and, and it'll help of course it didn't help because ADHD the dopamine deficit is caused from genetic mutation FASD it's caused from alcohol exposure so that's why it didn't help Different. so yeah. so that's why it's so important having a diagnosis especially an early diagnosis really helps with best outcomes FASD just like other diagnoses is lifelong you don't outgrow it you don't mm-hmm. in fact when individuals, when children with FASD get older, you often have more intense struggles with their environment, say school, you know, peers, things like that, because of the gap of what is known as dismaturity. So with FASD, dismaturity is when the maturity is physically not there in that individual. So we say immaturity and dismaturity. Immaturity is when it's there, but they're choosing not to act their chronological age. With dismaturity, the maturity is actually physically not there because of whatever, the brain injury, exactly. It's not that they won't they can't. And that's a huge paradigm shift that I learned as a parent through training and through education. And when you can embrace that with any neurodiversity, so talking yes. to any parents who are listening, any mamas who are listening to us, when you can accept that, okay, this is my child's brain and my child's brain operates differently, whether from you know injury before birth, injury during birth, genetic difference, you know, neurodiversity, what really was the game changer for my husband and I was taking this training that we took from, from facets, which is a neurobehavioral model for parenting and caregiving, and really making that shift from saying my child won't do this, or why won't my child just do this to, okay, my child has a brain-based diagnosis. They can't do that. So this is how we support accommodate and change our expectations That's and great. our lives are not perfect Hold on
3: pause. <laughs> oh my, thank you. On behalf of our whole community, you yes. just made oh, drive
1: off the road. That's the moment. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think it takes time, especially when you have this perspective of what your parenting is going to be or what it's going to look like, or all the things that you're going to do for your kids that before you even have them. And then you have these other things that take a lot of energy and work. It changes your perspective on how to help your kids. You know, you learn over time that you have to accept where we are at this moment. You can't be pushing an expectation of something that isn't there really.
2: And that's where you'll see secondary and tertiary signs of symptoms of any type of neurodiversity. If you keep trying to push someone into a hole that they're not fitting into, you're going to start to see secondary things like things like you know school, you know, getting a quote and I use air quotes, getting in trouble at school or, or you know getting in trouble with the law or things like that. And then even tertiary like jail, um, substance abuse, you know, yeah. things like that. The more you push somebody who has a brain difference into that expectation that we all know that we grew up with, or that society still thinks that our kids should do, yeah. then you start getting, especially as they get older, you, you start getting more of that, um, the, the secondary and the tertiary symptoms. So what it really is, <laughs> and I'm dating myself, but it's really like Neo taking the pill in the matrix, the movie The Matrix, oh, you know? Yeah. That's how that old I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it is to some people I talk to. For, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad I'm at this table because yeah. <laughs> we all get that reference. Get, we get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, it's like when you know Neo takes that pill and it's a whole new world and it's a whole new perspective and it's a whole new oh my goodness, this is how the world really, you know, sees my kid and sees us and everything. And it's when you have to say, you know what? No more. We have to do what's best for our family. And I can tell you from the heart, like you ladies understand my family better than many of my relatives. And we know that, like, I'm sure we all can share stories like that where, People that, you know, we grew up with or people that, you know, just knew, have known us for so many years. And then we're like, sorry, we can't do this year, this year, because we're making an accommodation. You're like, what? Oh my, why are you, what? You know? (laughs) So it, it really is. I found such a community in, you know, parents, caregivers, even, you know, self-advocates, Who have brain-based diagnoses because unless you're in it, you really don't understand that you have to do things differently, and that's why we started the podcast. That's why we started the website. That's why, like, I have a big mouth and I just talk to everybody who wants to talk to me. We love it. It's great. And that's
0: why. Thank you.
2: Thank (laughs) you. And that's why we wrote. That's why um, my friend Cindy and Cindy Lejoy and I wrote the book because we we want people to know that they're not alone.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, we have a lot of newly diagnosed families, moms, mainly who listen. And I, for all those women out there, when you get to the acceptance, like I'm barely, my son's only six. I'm really recently gotten to, I think kind of acceptance, but man, it changes everything and it helps them thrive and it helps you thrive. But I, it's really hard at first. It's a long grieving process.
2: Grieving, It is. And I'll tell you, and, and. Our son is 19 and we went through major grieving this year because all of his gr- friends have mm-hmm. like grown and flown, you know, even the homeschool ones, you know, military, And he's still living in our in-law suite above our garage. And mm-hmm. he is just starting his own small woodworking business. But again, like everybody else is often doing these things. And, and it's so it's so hard and it just breaks your heart as a mom. And, you know, I can tell you, I wish I could tell you that the grieving gets easier. It doesn't, but if I doesn't, yeah. so I'm yeah. sorry, Jamie, I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But I can tell you, I can tell you that like, if I knew what, you know, your son's six, I didn't know what I knew until our son was 15. Yeah. So using that time to prepare yourself and to some of the wisest advice I've gotten from clinicians have been prepare yourself for the next stage now. And that sounds really funny, but it's true because, you know, we we know with our kids that have these brain-based diagnoses that have neurodiversity, you know, development doesn't look like linear. It looks like oh, leaps right. and bounds, like just suddenly yeah. one day they're, yeah. dream, they're reading the backwards. Suddenly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. preparing yourself as much as you can, especially for all you moms out there and parents who are listening, who like have youngers, have littles, learning and preparing and especially just getting your tribe. I mean, you all seem like this awesome tribe. I could hang with you like. <laughs> I <laughs> <Yeah>. do <laughs> know. <R. laughs> yes. Yes.
0: We've got it. We got to We were lucky to meet each other for See? sure. We talk mm-hmm. all the time. We and share our lives and it's just fantastic. That's you know, huge. And then that's we kind of, did what you did and we're like hey we should put this out on the internet. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
4: the we're problem. talking a lot anyway, so
3: <laughs> yeah. what the heck. I love it. <laughs> yes. Hit record. Yes. <laughs> Could you describe the whole spectrum and the different varied diagnoses and and within the FASD.
2: FASD stands for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which is a spectrum diagnosis similar to autism spectrum disorder, sim- similar to ADHD. FASD is caused from prenatal alcohol exposure, which before I get into the, um, the diagnoses, Rachel, I just want to give a couple of quick facts. FASD is the most common form of developmental disabilities in the world.
0: Oh, yeah, I was, I was listening to that on your interview uh, Mm -hmm. with the occupational therapist. Yes. Where the CDC is, yeah, is one in 54 is what they
2: say, but it's one in 50. Well, one in 54 is actually for autism. Oh, one in 50. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so FASD, the conservative estimates that we use, and this is conservative. So in February, 2018, Philip May, who's a researcher at UNC Chapel Hill, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. He published a study in the Journal of American Medical Association, the JAMA. And this study estimated the prevalence of FASD among first graders in the US was one in 20. One in 20, okay. And that's that's Canadians, their research has shown similar characteristics. That is double. Autism. Yeah. And
3: that is double
2: many other developmental disabilities. And that's conservative.
3: And And it's very easy to say why.
2: It is. Yes. It is. Yes. And that's because FASD, in 90% of individuals that have an FASD, there are zero facial effects, there are Mm -hmm. zero outward physical effects. So just like Autism And just like ADHD, it's an invisible disability. You're going on what's happening in the brain, which we know is often misdiagnosed, underdiagnosed or undiagnosed. So, Rachel, to get back to your your question. So the other statistic that I want to put out there for everybody um, is we often think of illicit drugs, illegal drugs, as those are the ones that have the most damage and the most impact on an unborn child. It's actually alcohol. Alcohol crosses the limbic system. It, it destroys brain cells. It rewires the brain. It actually reduces the myelin sheaths on the cells, so that the connectivity is not Very thing. similar to like what happens in, in multiple sclerosis where the myelin sheaths are eliminated or, or reduced. And then we know with alcohol, it touches every single system in the body. So not only do we have this, depending on when the unborn child was exposed to alcohol, depending on, you know, during the pregnancy, d- there's a lot of factors depending on maternal health, depending on, you know, if there were any other traumas. There are over 400 comorbid medical diagnoses that accompany having an FASD. 400. So 400. And again, it's it when you get that diagnosis, it connects all the dots. Because you see, I mean, when our son, before he was a year old, and, and we adopted him when he was two and a half weeks old, we probably had close to 10 specialists, you know, by the time he was a mm-hmm. year old. Mm-hmm. Nobody connected dots. Well, that's
0: the thing that's so interesting is the layered, we talk about this pretty frequently about neurology versus mental health versus a brain damage, whether that Mm -hmm. be, you know, from FASD, or if you have some kind of trauma, or, you know, things that change (laughs) the actual function of the brain. But the way that the diagnostic works is that it's all like pieced together in the same symptoms ish category. And so finding a diagnosis that is the correct or the mm-hmm. co-occurring disorder is hard for practitioners, if, especially if they don't aren't necessarily experienced in that area, or if it's your general practitioner or you're seeing. You know, someone who is not in their silo is how we describe it. You exactly,
2: and I, I, I use that word too. To have a yeah. silo, it's silos yeah. of care rather than like what we hope is is this whole umbrella of right. okay, you get you know access. Everybody's working together as a team. No, we know as moms of kids that have developmental, you know, disability, neurodi- neurodiversity, that you're going to different people at different times and nobody's yeah. talking to each other unless you have the papers. Right. Or, and, and, you Perfect. know, I mean, and I'm dating Say myself. Rachel, all I- the time. Yeah. But
4: does nobody yeah.
2: talk to each other? Nope, nobody talks to each other. Nope. So so getting back, Rachel, to the diagnosis. So the disabilities that are from the exposure of alcohol are known as fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. There are five diagnoses that are under the FASD umbrella. Okay, so the first one that we all mostly know, most everybody knows is fetal alcohol syndrome, which is the most pronounced, most severe. And that's where you have those facial characteristics, Mm -hmm. the smooth philtrum, the, you know, the, the wide bridge. And now here's an interesting fact. If alcohol has been exposed to an unborn child, those facial characteristics are only for about, I believe it's five days in I want to say, and I will, can get these definitive numbers for you. I believe it's days 17 through 23 or 17. 28. I thought it was 28. Yes, yes. But it's in, very early in very early in the, the birth mom's pregnancy and the mother's pregnancy. So, so the, gestation
3: is so when you can
2: see them. Yes, that okay. is what this it. means
3: it, is that if there's an exposure yeah. early on in gestation, it might be a different Manifestation of the disorder. If there was only one exposure later on in pregnancy, that kid could still be affected. Yep. But just not. Whereas someone like Celie, which we've talked about, doesn't carry the facial characteristics. Mm -hmm. Did measure small, but didn't the days that she was being Mm -hmm. evaluated, which is why I talk so frequently about the const, So I need someone that will look at her whole constellation to give us that in pen writing, but someone like Seely where her birth mom was exposed often and to a great degree would be a different FASD mm-hmm. than someone who had a different type of exposure or a different timing of their exposure, which is so interesting.
0: Yes. So to, and, to and be able to track. Most people use the fetal alcohol syndrome even my That's what they think. myself, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and in the field, I mean, honestly, I don't I think I don't think I've ever heard it called a spectrum until Rachel and I became friends. Mm-hmm. Even in as from practitioners That's cuz a lady named I- Natalie
3: educated me on the
2: <laughs> oh <my laughs> yes, and didn't know Yes, yeah. Yes, I yes. am just a mom with a big mouth. That's the <laughs> well, well, fan a
3: microphone. Yeah. Like, so Rachel, girl. but I love her so much. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so thing. So, but getting back to what Rachel said, yes, that is a hundred percent true. It, it, it okay. whenever. So that's why it's important for us to know all of those diagnoses. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so in addition to that, there's partial fetal alcohol syndrome. So mm-hmm. it's called, known partial. as PF, okay. P, PFAS. There's alcohol related birth defects, which we see often. Um, so my friend and co-author Cindy, I believe her youngest son who was adopted from overseas has a cleft palate which is right. actually very common with alcohol exposure. Mm. So as so a tongue other, tie. Yes, so there are other alcohol related birth defects. Again, okay. a, a, a huge laundry list, but there are many birth defects that are related to alcohol exposure too. So um, and then there are two others that fall under the, the uh, FASD umbrella. There's neurobehavioral disorder associated with prenatal alcohol exposure or otherwise known as NDPAE. And this is important, too, because this diagnosis really addresses what we think are behaviors, but are actually mm-hmm.
3: symptoms okay, of
2: brain symptoms. So, for oh, my example, God, say that
3: again. Yes. So Love what it. what
2: you are seeing with a child, a teen, uh, anyone that has an N-D-P-A-E is there's really that neurobehavioral effect from the alcohol damage. Mm -hmm. And, And that's huge. And that's where we often see. So like, you know, back in the day when we had in-person support groups, I would sit there and listen to to moms and dads say, oh yeah, my son or daughter has an ODD, you know, diagnosis and oppositional and everything. And again, you know, when they actually got the diagnosis later, you know, months or even years later, it was NDPAE because it was the neurobehavioral effect from Mm -hmm. the alcohol exposure. And then finally, and this is another huge one, A-R-N-D, which stands for alcohol-related neurodevelopmental disorder. And again, those two really focus on the invisible part of the disability, the the, the symptoms. And and when you learn, it's really interesting, just like with autism, just like with ADHD, when you learn the science behind FASD, Mm -hmm. you understand. So for example, I'll give you a lived example. Our son, and this kind of started early on, and and he is comfortable with me sharing this. He had a lot of sensory issues when he was younger. And we all know, I mean, we're all nodding our heads, sensory issues. (laughs) And we learned, you know, as he grew older and then finally when he received his diagnosis and then when we really learned about FASD okay, yeah, he's sensory seeking in this area and he's sensory Mm -hmm. defenses in this area. And here's why. But he, you know, he has other friends that have an FASD and they have totally different. Again, it's a spectrum, just like Rachel said, when that unborn child is exposed to alcohol, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's when it, it determines, okay, this is what, this is what's affected here. This is what's affected. And, Another statistic, which is really interesting that we need to like be aware of, because I know this statistic is, I don't know if it's as high, but it is high with other um, diagnoses such as ADHD or autism or Asperger's, the prevalence of mental co-occurring mental health diagnoses Hello. and brain-based diagnoses with FASD, it's 93%. Ooh, 93%. Oh my gosh. 93, that's mind-blowing. mind-blowing. Is it 70 in autism? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I know it's pretty high in autism. Yeah, And same with uh, ADHD too. And that's because, again, when you learn about how the brain operates, when you have a brain-based diagnosis, mm-hmm. that dysregulation in the cognitive neurodevelopmental area is going to yeah. carry over to mood, social, emotional, as Everything. As as mood dysregulation. Of exactly. yeah. So the reason we, our son, I should say, How he got his diagnosis was because he was hospitalized in an adolescent psychiatric hospital because he had bipolar disorder. But our outpatient psychiatrist at the time and the inpatient psychiatrist at the hospital said, wait a minute, I'm putting all the dots together and listening to mom and dad.
3: Let's do, let's rule out What is that doctor's name?
2: (laughs) He actually, I I think-
3: so, so the outpatient
2: one retired, but, um, and then when our son was about to be discharged and when he was, you know, quote unquote stable, which we know, you know, um, Again. <laughs> that's, yes. that's a spectrum too. Uh, so yes. when we got the diagnosis of bipolar disorder, yes, we understand, okay, here's his care plan. Diagnosis number two, which is ironic because it really is the cause, it was the cause, but the second diagnosis was he actually met the criteria for fetal alcohol syndrome. He met all of that criteria. So he received that FAS diagnosis, but, and I've heard from other parents whose, you know, kids or adolescents were hospitalized and they received both, you know, the mental health diagnosis and the Mm -hmm. FASD, you know, diagnosis of maybe ARND or NDPAE, which, you know, we Mm -hmm. hear a lot more often. So the important thing to know about all of this, and I'm gonna go back to your question, Tabitha, about FASD Respect Act, which is the national legislation. That'd be great. So it's the reason why we need this legislation and we need it now, we need it 40 years ago. Yes, Yes, exactly. Is because for the first time, the government, you know, this legislation will actually acknowledge FASD for what it is, which is a diagnosable developmental disability, just like autism, just like other brain based diagnoses. And once that acknowledgement is made, that will open doors for proper interventions, proper support, proper treatment. And that is huge. And so what what this legislation, so anyone who's listening who who can reach out out to your two senators, each state has two senators and your one representative. If you're in Canada, reach out to your local legislators, let them know about this proposed legislation that's happening here in the states, the FASD Respect Act. It's H.R. So in the House of Representatives, it's known as H.R. 4151. And in the Senate, it's known as SB 2238. And I'll give you those numbers and I'll actually give you the link direct link so you can find out how you can directly help with this, because now is the time when this is released mm-hmm. before our legislators, before you know our lawmakers go back they need to hear us say this is important and this legislation will not only recognize it, but will establish more supports for diagnoses, more supports for interventions for getting our services, kids, getting services, which is huge. And, you know, so Rachel, I'm preaching in the choir here. Mama, <laughs> how many times and I can tell you, and this is one of the reasons why we started homeschooling. There are so many times our son fell through the cracks because he met the, the, you know, whatever state we were living in, that 35%, the oh, he, you know, that magic percentage that they use to say, oh, you qualify for services or, oh, nope, sorry, you just missed it. That is so common with our kids because again, just like development's not linear with our kids, neither are the delays or the deficits. So For example, it's really stages in social emotional. Our son may be at the developmental age of, you know, whatever, let's say, you know, for the sake of example, 12, but in cognitive, he may be lower, but then in something else, he may be higher. The
3: other
2: other thing that we see with FASD, which is more prominent than other developmental disabilities and other neurodiversity Mm -hmm. is with FASD, we know with kids that have developmental di- disabilities, there is a chronological age and there's a developmental age. Yeah. And there is usually the chronological age is higher than the developmental age. Now, with some diagnoses, that just kind of stays the same, like you know, some other, you know, developmental diagnoses, brain-based diagnoses. With FASD, it actually, the gap widens and increases. And that's because what we're talking about before, and if we think about it, what does society, so schools, communities, things like that, we expect more from our teens and young adults as they age than they did when they were younger. However, if our kids are developing at a slower pace, they're not able to meet those expectations. So the gap widens. So that's why we see those secondary and and tertiary effects become more prominent because Mm -hmm. especially as a teen, a young adult, you know, developmentally, they may be still like around 12 or 13, but maybe they're chronologically 19 or 20. So that also leads to more susceptibility to getting into things like, you know, and
3: vulnerability.
2: Exactly. And- so that's why this legislation is so neat. There's so many reasons why I'm, I'm, you know, I could, Talk to y'all for for much longer time about fascinating.
0: That, but- yeah, it's fascinating because I did not know that it wasn't already categorized as that. So, what is the DSM have it? What category does the DSM have it? So the underneath? DSM
2: has it, I believe. The NDPAE and the ARND. I, I'm. <laughs> I don't. I wish I, I used to have a. Oh, we can Google. It. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> but yes.
2: it, I, I believe it's under a similar category as autism and, and ADHD okay. and, and that in that realm of developmental disability, developmental diagnosis. Yeah, so
0: the practitioners are on point, but yes. the legislation is hasn't caught up to that.
3: Basically, well, for those two, for those two of the FASDs, right? Of there's the still
2: yeah. There's yeah. still so many under, and they have to meet certain you know certain criteria at that time too which we all know have am i the only one when you have a kid t- tested like Oh, they had a fantastic day. They're, they're fine. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> seriously? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like you yeah. caught them like, it. yeah. Yeah. It's because, you know, every <laughs> yeah. other day is like Groundhog Day at home. It's like, you know. Yeah. Or yeah. well, why
0: don't you come to the house and text exactly. them there? Because this isn't working. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's great. So people go talk to your legislators.
4: And your
0: people in your state about this policy change that is up. So the next thing we wanted to talk about was your book, a little bit about the story of why you wrote your book. It's going to be great for all of us because we're going to have to be thinking about what our kids are going to do once they move. And Kim has experience with this. Her daughter is 25. um, So she has navigated the adult system a bit with her daughter and deciding what works best for her. So we'd love to hear about that. If you want to tell us the story behind that. Thank
2: you. So Cindy LaJoy and I became friends. She runs blue collar homeschool, which is, I believe it's like 12,500 member group on Facebook. It's a wonderful support group on Facebook. Uh, and it's also a site for uh, families of kids who not only are homeschooled, virtual school, home, but you know that your child is just not heading down a college path, you know, and that could be either from diagnosis or it could just be, you know what? I just I don't want to go to college. College is not for me. So on blue collar homeschool. Cindy really celebrates that. Hey, it's OK if you want to do this and be the best at this that you can. So we don't certainly we do not bash college in any way or at any kind of, you know, post high school, post homeschool academia. But we just really want people to know that the option of not going to college is truly one that can be celebrated and not considered as, oh, it's it's a second option. A failure. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So Cindy formed Blue Collar Homeschool. We started homeschooling our son seven and a half years ago. He's long since graduated and he's actually opening his own small woodworking business here. He has his own little workshop and, uh, you know, great. we're helping him. Um, so if any of you are listening and and know about, you know, working with young adults and disabilities and small businesses, give me, email me at yes. natalie.fasuhope.com yes. because I'm learning as much as I can. Anyways, back to the book.
3: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> reach out to Natalie. Yeah, reach out to
2: me, please. Yeah, I need much. information. Okay. Um, so Cindy, she adopted her five kids, four of whom have a brain-based diagnosis and three of whom have an FASD. And she recognized her kids were not going to, not only not go to college, but many work environments that were recommended were not going to be a good fit because her kids really, they lack that executive functioning, which is a huge buzzword we all know about. That executive functioning means the ability to carry out a task or to carry out you know instructions they could only, maybe only do one step or maybe two steps even, but not multiple steps. So what she did during their last year of homeschool was from the drywall on out, they built, it's called Buckaroo Slices and Scoops. It is a pizza and ice cream place. And they specifically intentionally hire those with neurodiversity and her three kids who have an FASD, they all work together. And she was expecting on like supervising them for a while they're running the business on their own you know That's they just amazing. come to mom and dad like I help love us it. needed mm-hmm. so and it's in colorado and scoops. it's right? in montrose colorado yes yeah. and i'll give you the link so you can let folks know so she did that on one side of the country same year on the east coast here in north carolina actually a couple of years before we learned that our son had this amazing skill in woodworking and carpentry and we knew that trade school was not going to be a good fit for him for many reasons, especially just being exposed to things that we knew he'd be susceptible to, you know, having to keep up with a pace that, you know, he would need to, especially, especially sensory issues. You know, being in trade school is very noisy. I mean, being in a workshop's noisy, but if it's one person in a small workshop, it's definitely my son can manage it much better than 20 kids in in a huge warehouse kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we like channeled our, you know, ourselves from 1700s and said, we're going to do an old fashioned apprenticeship. So I cold called like about 50 carpenters and and I share (laughs) this and I share this. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I am like, a bulldozer mom. Like I'm
3: I'm a snowplow
2: mom. You just got invited
3: to our commune.
2: I just want to let you
3: know the invitation.
2: I'm a snowplow bulldozer mom. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to find someone and share our story and say, look, you know, our son has this diagnosis. He also has these tremendous strengths and he would be such an asset as an apprentice. So he actually had two wonderful apprenticeship teachers and we did it as an old fashioned apprenticeship, he would go there every week for a certain number of hours. We had goals and everything like that. And he did that for almost three years. And he's still in touch with his one apprenticeship teacher who kind of is like a touchstone for him. But you know, this, this year, actually probably about a month ago, he was like, I'm ready to open up my small business. And we're like, okay, we're going to walk alongside you and we're going to do it together. So we talk about that, our experience, we did it on a much smaller scale, but to let families know that if you either regular school or homeschool, that apprenticeship and mentorship is also another option. You know, Cindy chose entrepreneurship. She went big, you know, (laughs) which is awesome, which is awesome.
0: Well, she got all three. In one sweep.
2: But you know, we connected. and and it's funny, Cindy and I have never met in person. It's oh everything yeah. was basically the silver lining of COVID, you know, meeting yeah. and, and you know, exactly <laughs> <all>, just like <laughs> all you. Yeah. you know, That's you what lines models. our
3: table. Yeah. The, right. silver <laughs> the silver lining of COVID. The silver lining of
2: COVID. And so Cindy and I, you know, we just we were like, we gotta, we gotta share our stories, you know, like we really feel like god just downloaded these stories into us and that we just we're we're meant to share them and especially we want to share that there are different ways that life will look like for your kids and yeah. that's okay we talk and about you can in- still
3: achieve and keep hope mm-hmm.
2: yes and we talk about things like interdependence you know we moved from a lovely suburb in raleigh to like we live on a farm access road that has, I believe, we have hogs up the road and horses and all that stuff. And we have like a very small blueberry hobby farm, you know,
3: and, and we don't have any Hold animals. Hold on. Did you just tell us that we have the location for our commune? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to I, your farm. Yes. <laughs> for us and all
2: of our- yes. I
3: can tell my <laughs> husband the tribe
4: <laughs> is
2: moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But one of the reasons why we chose this is because our, and I explain in the book, our funky farmhouse, it was, it's an accommodation for our family. We were like, okay, our son has his, you know, attached apartment you know, in-law suite, which used to be the former owner's in-law suite. And then we have these detached houses, one of which is his workshop and one, the other one, which we hope down the road when he's ready to turn into a tiny house for him so that he can have his own space, you know, and, uh, you know, and do his stuff, but then still have mom and dad nearby because he doesn't cook and he doesn't do this and that, you know? So we talk, Cindy and I talk about that we talk about exactly what we were, have been talking about today, grieving and adjusting and changing your expectations. Mm-hmm. What we know for our kids is gonna be much different. But again, that's why we put on the cover, I'm showing the ladies, we put this country road with all these signposts no, and there's, yes. it's literally like a dirt road on each side and signposts saying, look, these directions, these directions these are new directions. These are new, but you know what? They're beautiful. And, and, yeah. and the road is much slower. The, the pace on the road is much slower. But,
0: and really it's our expectations. Yes. It's not our kids' lives yes. to dictate. It's society as well though. Yes. Like, society too. Mm-hmm, Where mm-hmm. we get those from is society and what the expectations mm-hmm. are. But it's my children should be able to do whatever they Feel They want to do with themselves. It it shouldn't be, you know, trying to force them into this system that doesn't work for them, including school. I mean, we've talked about that a lot, especially we have an interview coming out on Monday where we talked about homeschooling choices and why Mm -hmm. Uh people choose to homeschool versus the public school system, because it doesn't always necessarily fit for our kids or the options, you know, aren't there. But I think learning to put away your expectations for your image of what your life is going to be and what their lives are going to be, including this move into adulthood is like some, it's a hard
4: thing. I like can to- tell you, I'm 11 years in and I'm just beginning to grasp it. So it's and, definitely, and it, I think it comes in Kimmy at your, yeah, I, I
5: feel like you have to go through the process. It's not like it can't just happen because you want it to happen. Right. It's, right. It's, it's a whole, it's a whole process. And, it, you know, I think it takes a long time to learn that um and it goes into their 30s it goes like into their late 20s and early 30s it doesn't
2: stop at like you know 22 23 24. we see Mm -hmm. developmental leaps well into their 20s and even their 30s kim has that
5: experience i'm like girl uh right before 22 like just so she's non-verbal she's never had words or really even sounds and she's not talking but she now has words i mean at 21 almost 22 she started saying words and oh yes she is talking (laughs) oh yes she is talking no thank you not in the traditional traditional (laughs) like she's not communicating really with her words but um you know by 21 you don't think it's gonna happen if it didn't already happen you know what I mean like like my mind wasn't even in that space of like oh maybe she's gonna still talk one day it's kind of like it is what it is. It kind of just starts moving down the priority list. and um, But not even just that, like engaging more, interacting more, just being more present, wanting to be more present. Yesterday, to you more. told me
3: a news story. Last week, there was a news story. It's incredible.
5: Explosion for that lasted probably like nine or 10 months. That was just, I mean, every single day when I saw my page, I'm like, Alyssa just did this for the first time. She just, she's never done this before. It was like literally every week she was doing something that was like that we I was like we never thought she is that people are probably like okay lady but like really <laughs> like so it just came out of left field it just came out of you know out of not and she's still learning so she's 25 now and she's still growing she's still learning she's still progressing so and I mean, the doctors don't I've tell helped. you that like we were,
1: no, were made to no, feel if don't. not by six that's it like you, they write out your story immediately. But Kim, and I was yeah. going to say, in Jen's offense, I think she meant she, she's talking by sassing you with the no thank yous and the. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. She does. <laughs> and yes. that's
2: why you all, as support for each other, is so important because you all are telling each other what oh. the doctors aren't telling us. Yeah. And that is key. You know, same thing with, you know, getting yourself in a good parent support group. Or in a great association organization that understands, you know, for example, our daughter has childhood absence epilepsy, which is like petite mal seizures. And I didn't know a thing again, you know, me, Ms. FASD, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know anything about this, Mm -hmm. but She's young and OK, here, I'm going to learn it. And I, we connected. There's a wonderful Epilepsy Foundation chapter here in not too far from us, North Carolina, the president of it. She's wonderful. She's lovely. And so making that connection as early as you can. And that's where that's where I was like, you know, I heard, oh, your daughter seeing this do- doctor, she should try this doctor. I think you'll have better results. That's for me the informal Old. supports yes. the informal supports are i think personally and I, you know again i'm just a mom with lived experience we think
3: so too we do but too. <laughs> the
5: informal
2: supports yeah. are way more helpful for you on this journey than yeah. yes. the quote and, and i find supports. that
5: it's wonderful to have somebody to share your struggles and understand your struggles but even to understand the celebrations the little yeah. things that mean so much that like that's what's so nice because they're like wait she did that like she's playing pretend play like people are like she's 25 like why why is this an exciting thing but like <laughs> they but they like they completely get it we completely get when you know somebody we also notice yeah
3: yeah in each other's kids what we can't as the mom so recently Celie has been diagnosed with bipolar 2 and She's known to rapid cycle and she's also got these big swings as well, like big, huge trends within a a lot of transition and a lot of turmoil and a lot of trauma. And the whole time in fight or flight, I can't feel it anymore. I can't feel a worse day from a hard day. I can't really feel a good day because I can't let myself do that because I still have to stay revved, right? These women will look me straight in the face and say, Rach, There is a trend here that you may not see, but it's about 90 days. I can tell you it happened at Christmas. It happened at the hospital in March. It happened. They're seeing things that I can't put my finger on because I'm too close. I'm right here in it. Mm -hmm. And whether that's the heart, as I said, or Jen Dunn's daughter walking in front of our camera and connecting with us for five exchanges of this, of that, of this, of that, like a whole volley of conversation would not have been able to be like stop the presses let's party Mm -hmm. about those moments we would miss them so my husband and
2: i on on our website rachel and kim everybody on our website we came up you know when you have a child who interacts differently with the world you often you know people who don't who are not in in your tribe they'll be like oh did you have a good day or a bad day no so (laughs) so my husband and i came up with this this is our motto, is that we savor the moment. So when Kaya just came in, that moment was savored. And Mm -hmm. my husband took a picture. So just to let you know, because I know everybody's regulated and happy. My husband took a picture of what he's doing with my son and daughter. And they're all just like doing some fun family game together. And he puts a smiley face on it. And I know he's savoring that moment in this world. love it. And, and so Kim, I know you savored those moments when your daughter did that. And That is what we have to do. That's what gets us through this journey is that we savor those little moments. It's not about days. It's not about years. It's not about, it's just about, oh my goodness, this was a miracle moment. And I am so thankful for it. And that's going to be fuel for me to help me get through that really, really, really tough moment. And Rachel, I know I have lived, I, I have lived exactly your walk. I know what it's like, especially. And I hate to say this, everybody. Adolescence. I hate to say it. No. it adolescence yeah. is like the jet fuel for whatever different is going right on. Now, yeah. oh, my. Dense. 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 I often say Dense. I
4: open up her bedroom door in the morning and go. A whole lot of puberty up in here. And just <laughs> Open up the windows and let things air out a little bit. <laughs> There's a lot of it going on in there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I've often said to Rachel, because I don't know a lot about FASD. I don't, I yeah. don't just deal with our beautiful Celie. But I also feel like, and I've said it a million times, you know, counselors, doctors, nobody connects together. Yeah. And, I, you know, Celie has and I'm not going to speak for Rachel, but a, a hard time with medication, like my daughter. And I've always said there has to be a connection to her FASD and all of these links that nothing is connecting together. And again, because nobody discusses anything from a doctor to a neurologist to a pediatrician, to a psych- psychiatrist, a psychologist, nobody discusses anything. No one's finding that link for her. And I truly believe, and Tabitha wants to be clear. This is not any,
0: any medical advice, any medical advice. Or <laughs> this podcast? I, I think,
4: think there's a link it, to think- that. You know, I think there is a link to that and yeah. it's being missed and it's a, it's an it injustice is the link. to her. It is the link for her. So oh, yeah,
2: hundred percent. I can tell you. And when Rachel, you and I'll talk. Oh yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, again, what we have learned from each other as moms, if you think about how just medical care I I live out in the country and I drive by a lot of silos and that is how our care for developmental disabilities, developmental diagnoses, neurodiversity, that's how the care for our kids is issued. You go to this neurologist and then you go to this specialist and this GI doctor and this uh, developmental psychologists and this. And, and again, like you said, they don't talk to each other unless you specifically yeah. say, please send a note to the, and even then you got to follow up no. like five times. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's care is so
1: siloed
2: these yeah. days.
1: I was just talking to the girls about the how you hear a lot. Well, that's not really how it works. And I'm like, well, maybe it should. My, I want to win the lottery. I don't play the lottery, but if I ever won the lottery with <laughs> a billion dollars, I would start a center where there's a neurologist. <laughs> Yes. Every time together, every one stop, all in stop. one building, and they all meet up and they are a yep. team for your child. Like, why yep. can't our kids have teams? Like, that's the one thing I don't love everything about the school system, but at least there's a team that meets and discusses your child. Mm-hmm. I don't get why we can't get that in any other way. It's very frustrating.
0: It's and insurance, in the school- I can tell you, it's a, a yes. lot to do with insurance and, and, and the money
2: school, in the school systems with FASD. Um, this legislation will will train and educate teachers about FASD That's because amazing. so again so common these poor teachers and I'm not bashing teachers I have you know yes. I have so many yeah. teachers in my family yeah. my mother-in-law's a retired teacher Sisters. um <laughs> you know it, it, it it's what's happening with education is these teachers are not getting the heads up they're not getting the full story. And what they think they're seeing are behaviors, but are actually symptoms and they're not getting ways to accommodate or support them. So that's exactly. Yeah. Or, and that's for us, that was one of the biggest reasons why we went to homeschooling because where we were living at the time, it was actually more practical and feasible. And I loved my career before I started being a mm. mama bear advocate i loved what i did i was a music therapist and a recreational therapist. Oh. i loved it mm. and i actually stopped working so i could homeschool our son full-time because where we were living it was actually it, it was a less of a financial impact on our family if i were to stop working in homeschool versus continue working and pay for a school that specializes in and you know x y and z that costs like an Ivy League college Well, I'm now paying that. I just got my first invoice today. Oh. So that
4: was fun. But yeah, I, I, hats off to you because I, I could not homeschool. I am not structured enough. I would lose my mind. I always tell the ladies that are stay-at-home moms, you guys are the ah. heroes because I get to leave and go to work. And, and I hate the word break, right, but ah. you, you get to go have adult conversations. So to be home and homeschooling in that environment, good for you. But again, my daughter would- Probably not learn a lot or thrive <laughs> much if I was your teacher.
2: <laughs> but again, you have access to that and you're able to do that. And like, so, you know, so for you, that works out beautifully. And and again, that's all part of this. What works for me is going to yeah. be different. That works for you. And what's going to be different. that yeah. works for you. So that's the important thing that we are learning in this community is that what works for our kids, not only do we need to have their care organized and, and working collaboratively the way we are working collaboratively as parents, but we also have to acknowledge that our solutions are going to be different, you know, and in this book that we talk about, Cindy and I, she shares her story. I share our story. We share our observations. Our book is only 108 pages. It's a very, we call it a guidebook, but what we are offering is suggestions we are offering suggestions and observations you know yeah. and ways to think out of the box when it comes to thinking about your kid's future that your kid i say affectionately your teen your young adult who has a developmental disability who has neurodiversity how you know if they want to be a dog groomer that's awesome yeah. You know, help them be the best doctor they can. That's If they want to be, if they yeah. want to be, you know, if they want to be a farmer, or if they want to, yes. you know, anything, a gardener, just help them be the best that they can be, and they will surprise you. I mean, and I think another thing that I'm going to kind of put out to families out there as a not only contacting your senators and your representative about the um, FASD Respect Act. But another challenge I wanna put out there to you is that not only do we have to, we can't change our kids' brains. We cannot change our kids' brains. But what we can change is the way that we look at our kids to find those treasures that are hidden really, really deep inside Mm, those brains. And it's hard when you have hard days. And I know, Rachel, it is hard when you have those hard days. It is hard. But trust me, there are going to be days where you can savor that moment and say, boom, she's an artist. Boom. She's a musician. Boom. She She loves loves animals.
1: She she loves water.
4: She's a mermaid. Can you tell Rachel what you told us before we started recording about Canada and FASD? Because Rachel, I'm pretty proud about that.
2: We look at Canada, Canada is is so many countries, U.S. included. Canada has really, really gone to bat when it comes to FASD research, when it comes yes. to FASD support, FASD when it comes to awareness, to the, they have not just a juvenile court system, but an adult court system specifically for individuals that have FASD.
3: That's amazing.
2: Amazing. Yay, Canada.
3: I agree that. <laughs> I know that because I am a desperate mom. I shared this with you. I'm just like all of us here at a time. I'm just a desperate mom looking to understand. I've had it simplified to the fact that she's busy. I've had it complicated to the fact that because we don't know what day she drank or that she did meth and marijuana as well, or that you had not the truth serum you thought you were based in, it's going to be hard. I, like, I, I don't care. When, how much, how often, what I can tell you is my daughter's severely affected. It has nothing to do with her. It's already happened. And I'm tired of people separating their chunk out of it and not acknowledging her whole. And I'm desperate to find the language, to find people, to find and cultivate and help aid in Building more community and awareness and advocacy around it. So let's call those goddamn senators. <laughs> senators. I am. Can grateful, I just tell you? you know? I don't
2: believe in accidents. I don't believe in. Me either, in says an adoptive mom to an adoptive mom. I don't believe in accidents. I believe. Tabitha reached out to me. She saw my post on on I believe it was um, Jen Hensel's Women in Podcasting. Yep. Yay! I love Jen. Thank you, it Jen. Works. And she reached. You know, I just shared. You know what I share every week. Hey, blah blah. blah. Did you know that September is FASD Awareness Month? And Tabitha's just like, and, and I don't believe in in coincidences. I believe. Oh no, that- this was
3: a gift to me. I sent her a coffee last week, so this week she had to <laughs> gift me my, with my fan girl, Mom. She paid <laughs> <it back. laughs>
2: But again, it's. When you're in that hard place, it's really, really hard to remember that. But our kids, all of our kids with no matter what their diagnosis, they all have, we just have to look harder. We just have to look harder. But I can tell you, being on this country road, and Jeff Noble actually was the first person to give me this analogy, when you see the neurotypical highway and you see the, you know, neurodiversity gravel road. They're both ways to get through life. Your yeah. neurotypical highway, you go fast and, you know, it's usually not too hard on your car or whatever. The gravel road is bumpy. It's a country road. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, y- there's going to be roadkill in the road. There's going to be stuff in the road. You might lose your transmission, you know. Yeah. However, <laughs> however, if you take the time to stop every once in a while and look at the view, you have a view that's so much better than that highway. And when Jeff made that analogy to me, like that just stuck, like mm-hmm. we do. We have this, again, just like the, the matrix. We have this knowledge perspective yeah. that mm-hmm. we get to look at our kids in a completely different way that I think, I call it a, a beautiful struggle. It's yes. a beautiful struggle. Struggles can be beautiful, but mm-hmm. it's a beautiful struggle. Mm-hmm. There's beauty in the struggle. And the struggle sometimes is it's not as hard. Sometimes it's very hard. It There's ebbs and flows in it. But when you can find the beauty in it, then you can say, all right, I, I'm going to help my kid be the best at whatever he or she can be. And I think
3: that people have found that in, not to horn honk, but I do believe that people have found inspiration in our celebration of Celie because uh, my daughter's a mermaid. I thought I was buying a baby, she says, and then I got a mermaid. And um, I believe that she's a little bit RuPaul, a little bit Elton John, a little bit razzle dazzle, uh, quite a lot of that. And she's <laughs> yeah. also a hellcat suffering deeply. And she's also an extraordinarily wicked smart person who's Mm -hmm. happens to be two in many ways. Mm -hmm. She is wicked, complicated and worth the battle to figure out. And I will not stop until more of the world understands the parts of her that are FAS and just how you should help your friend that you see drinking Mm -hmm. on a Tuesday while she's newly pregnant, but it's just one glass that you can make a difference there. I want to tell the people that neurodiverse folks are not less than, but rather can solve problems that nobody else has because Mm -hmm. they think different. I want people to think that if you had anxiety, you also have this different world in view of being patient and understanding yourself and finding grace and self-love. I am passionate about pairing with these women and people like you to convey such a smart and relatable message because- so many more of our kids are complicated than uh, people say. Statistics prove it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah there's so many of us parents who are parenting children who don't fit
0: into the, the landscape that is there. you know. And it is There's beautiful- safety
3: in a spectrum, and there's also a lot of isolation within a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. I have learned from FAS is that Celie's electricity might go off in her brain. It may just shut down which means that she's capable one second and incapable another mm-hmm. but it doesn't discredit either side and without that light switch of electricity going which would be what's left is her autism and all these other parts of her she's valuable and she's worthy and she's giving to this world she is making a difference just like your woodworker son is just like all of our kids are you know mm-hmm. god dang grateful
0: Yes, Natalie Vecchione. We are so so thankful that you came to talk to us today for FASD Awareness Month.
2: And- this has been the best table I've sat at a, oh. in years, oh, and I've been oh, doing for This the best been- fun. Then <laughs> I'm telling you, anyone listening, this is the best table in the house. Love
0: it. I'm gonna do a little rundown of the places people can find you, and we will also link. Um, information in our podcast description so the book is blazing new homeschool trails educating and launching teens with developmental disabilities you can find it on amazon and then fasd hope on facebook instagram twitter (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah. FASD Hope basically on all three of those. All the places. Yeah. Yes. And I'm also and on Clubhouse as Natalie Beck. And then the FASDhope.com is our website. So you can just visit there. You can email me from there. I'm natalie at FASDhope.com. And then uh, you can listen to FASD Hope um, wherever you find this wonderful podcast and, and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We are so grateful. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. Natalie thank have you a great, so
1: much
0: great night everybody thank you
1: thank you for joining us at the table for this interview with natalie please remember to check out her podcast f-a-s-d hope podcast wherever you listen to podcasts if you are enjoying table for five and where you're listening allows we would appreciate if you could rate and review us to join in on the conversation make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram we have new episodes every monday Next week, our next series, This Is How We Do It Begins. If you would like to submit a story for that series storytime episode, please contact us at table45 podcasts at gmail.com. We can't wait to sit with you again. See you real soon. Bye.